When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. If you look for it, every day has cause for celebration. Celebrate a friend for their promotion baby wedding life thing. Celebrate yourself for keeping the couch warm. It's no easy feat, especially if it's a big couch. Or maybe you just want to celebrate living in 2023 where you can get beer, wine, and spirits delivered from Drizzly in under 60 minutes without leaving said couch. So download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y.com and get your favorite drinks delivered today. Hey, Ray, how you feeling? I'll tell you what, my knees are a little sore today, and that means I need some CBD, I think. I have to agree with you on that, Ray, because I've had back issues since we've had our son. Plus, don't forget, you're an athlete. You're a big bicycle rider, so that gets you, like, you know, in occasional pain from, from the workout involved with that, not to mention what it does, the wear and tear on your joints. It's all part of being active and aging, and CBD as you said, mixed with a little medicinal really makes a difference in controlling the pain. You know, Marcus, when it comes to CBD, we have a new sponsor, uh, One CBD, and they have the right idea, I think, when it comes to making the CBD products that you want to manage your pain. They work with hemp farmers committed to sustainable development with the benefit of the environment in mind, which is important to people too. That's why they purchase only 100% organically grown hemp, totally free from chemical pesticides and fertilizers. Plus, they have a money-back guarantee if you are not satisfied with the product. We suggest you go to onecbd.com and check them out. That's O-N-E-C-B-D.com. And you can find out all the information about what their products are. Maybe you can just find the product that's best for you and your needs when it comes to CBD. And if you order after hearing them on the Imbalanced History of Rock and Roll, use the code word BALANCE. For 20% off your first order. And that order goes in at onecbd.com. Check it out. Hello. <clears throat> Hello, and welcome to the latest episode of Imbalance History of Rock and Roll. I'm Ray Coob. I'm Marcus in the Darkest. And, you know, Marcus, this is a concept that we want to introduce to the podcast this week uh, that we've talked about for a while. I think it started when I discovered there were people who were born on the same day in the same year that were rock and rollers. And then we started putting together a little bit of a list, and we kept having those what type moments as we found one after another. There are a lot of musicians who share birthdays. Putting together this list and figuring out 
who to talk about first has been a lot of fun, and we've done it over a long period of time. Some of the stories that we'll cover on Birthday Twins episodes of the podcast are going to be real mind benders because of some of the stories that we discovered along the way. Some of the interesting facts that we have learned and will continue to learn is how these birthday twins are tied together. It's the imbalanced history of rock and roll. And this episode is always brought to you by Crooked Eye Brewery and by 1CBD. Find them at 1CBD.com. I can't think of any better set of people born on the same day in the same year to start birthday twins with than the subject of our discussion today on the podcast, Marcus. I know this is the one that we ended up going back to right away as the first one to present, and it makes the most sense. On December 18th, 1943, Keith Richards and Bobby Keys, two men who would be bonded at the hip and on stage throughout the world for a long time together were born in separate parts of the world but they would get together and become part of a chapter of rock and roll history that's pretty astounding it really is and the work that he did with the rolling stones on some of their albums is just remarkable but then you look even further into his remarkable and exceptional career and you see some of the people that he's played with and you're like oh my god that's his saxophone oh my god that's his saxophone and you say that over and over again and we will as we uh, look into this episode of birthday twins and I thought, where do we start with this? Because we found out a lot as we did our research, and some of it was verifying what we already knew or building on what we already knew. And I thought maybe we should start at where they met. Uh, Bobby Keys uh, was born in Texas, and he met the Rolling Stones at the San Antonio Team Fair. Uh, he was in one of the bands that was on the bill in 1964. That's at the very beginning of the Stones taking on America. And that's how they met. I think it just built from there. And over the years, think about the records and the Stones catalog alone that Bobby's played on. And somewhere later in the episode, we're going to name our five favorites real quick, kind of like shotgun style five favorites. That's the crux of it. And and, and I, I got to talk to Bobby uh, when he was doing the Suffering Bastards tour. And we'll be dipping into that a little bit as we go through this episode talking about keith richards and bobby keys i'm excited to dig into this and share our five favorite songs as well because bobby keys is an interesting uh, fellow i think they had a little bit of a falling out over the years which we will discuss i knew hardly anything about this relationship other than the fact that they played together and so to dig into the closeness of the relationship and how it developed has been a lot of fun, and I can only imagine what Bobby Keys has seen with those cats being kind of wingman, so to speak. Absolutely, and when you're Keith Richards' wingman, your imagination can run wild a little bit, and you can figure out, you know, about the stuff at the riot house and uh, the things that made it into the movie Cocksucker Blues. Well, He starts connecting with the Stones, obviously, you know, uh, when, when you're the sax player on a hit like Brown Sugar, uh, he started with them before that actually on, on the Let It Bleed record, and he would be the sax guy, and he would go on tour with them. 
And that led to all these other people being in demand of his services when he wasn't recording with or on the road with the Rolling Stones, which, as we know through the years, that wasn't always continuous business. So he had the opportunity to do a lot of things as a session guy that just built his legend to all-time sideman status. How can you listen to Can't You Hear Me Knocking and not think of the sax in that song? It's impossible because it, it, it intertwines with the Richards and Taylor. They just weave it all together, right? Yeah, and as we have researched and learned over the years, the importance of the guitar and the blues sound, but then you hear somebody like Bobby Keys laying down his own blues groove with the saxophone. It sort of changes the feel of the blues. Yeah, and and especially when he has the tone like that, like on Live With Me from Let It Bleed. Uh, and it's different from Can't You Hear Me Knock, and it's different than Brown Sugar or Rip This Joint, some of the bigger songs that his, his saxophone trademarks are on. You know, it's hard. You know, what's hard to believe is that you could have this gig and be doing the Rolling Stones thing and actually get fired from the Rolling Stones for excess. And what? but that's what happened. Yeah. Well, you gotta realize him and him and Keith went through a lot. They did a lot of crazy shit together, and um, there was a whole thing that went down on the '73 tour. And I got some notes here. Basically. The story involves Bobby being in a bathtub full of Dom Perignon with a French woman in Belgium on the 73 tour. And when the band got together to go to the arena that night, there was no sight of him. And finally, somebody said, hey, where's Bobby? Uh, There had been a reply from his hotel room. This is from Keith's book's life. He says, so I went to his room and said, Bob, we got to go. We got to go right now. He's got a cigar, bathtub full of champagne and this French chick in with him. And he said, fuck off. So be it. Great image and everything like that. But you might regret it, Bob. The accountant informed Bobby that afterward that he had earned no money at all on the tour as a result of that bathtub. In fact, he owed money. And that's from Keith's book about the incident. Bobby tried to dispute the incident in his own autobiography. Every night's a Saturday night. Uh, and then he was reminded that, yes, it had been taken from his check. And it kind of was like a double back on saying, hey, but wait a minute. Oh, uh, yeah, that's that's what they tell me. It was in my paycheck. So I guess it's true is actually the quote uh, from the book. So Keys had said that he had no regrets about his uh, rock and roll lifestyle. In fact, he kind of reveled in it in his book. Every night's a Saturday night. And um, he said there's one moment he wished you could take back. And it's probably not something that you would think, Marcus. I was actually expecting him to say that champagne moment in the hotel with the Rolling Stones. But obviously it's not that. Him and Keith were throwing a TV out the window and somebody got a picture of it and it got out. And that kind of became his image. There he is, you know, on, you know, in the newspaper, throwing a TV with Keith Richards out the window, Bobby Keys. That's good shit. Shut the cable off. Put it is, uh, you know. All right. Just unscrew this. Okay. That's it. But this is why they were so close. And as Keith said in his quote from the book, it took him 10 years to get him back in the band. 
in the interview I did with Bobby uh, many years ago, he was he, first off, he was so loose and so candid. He gave me the number to his house. He was yelling at the dog to pipe down, turn, let me turn the TV down, that kind of stuff. Then he gets to talking about how he got back in the Rolling Stones through a back door in Long Island. Yeah, I got back into the back door. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that ain't no lie. The back door of the Long Island Coliseum. Yeah, that's great. So you just kind of kind of get in there, and uh, and you all of a sudden you were on stage. It was all a matter of timing. <laughs> well, you know, nobody in that group can deny the power of Bobby Keys and what you bring to the stage every night. I tell you what, it has a lot to do with people that Bobby Keys knows. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah, that's that was there was a period there where it was uh, kind of uh, I wouldn't say thin ice, but uh, proving that I was. Uh, going to be around to do the gig. And once he got back in, he behaved to the amount that he ever was gonna, and he had a nice long run with them, and I mean, just so many amazing records that the guy was on. One of the astounding things is that Bobby Keys was on solo albums by all the Beatles, and he talked about that. Well, working with John Lennon is one of, the, one of my favorite people to work with that I've had the, you know, been blessed to work with. And uh, well, whatever gets through the night was uh, was kind of special because uh, I went to New York early and spent some time with John at his uh, apartment up in the Dakotas and went through the material that I was going to be putting horns on. And uh, he gave me, you know, told me what he had in mind. And I always listened to John because he had very good ideas. <laughs> and and he was also a, he was just the kind of guy that I mean he, I, he some people that just make you want to play better for him and that bring out the best that you can, you can muster up. And he was one of those guys, man. You know, so it was fun. It was great fun. You know, you never felt like you were there performing for a Beatle. You know, you were there right. with this, this rock and roll guy, John Lennon, you know, who likes Buddy Holly, who I liked, you know. And it was a, it was a, it wasn't ever sort of like, well, I'm the king and you're, you know, the servant. You know, Marcus, I looked it up and that's not exactly true because he, he wasn't on a Paul McCartney album per se, but remember that uh, record I was talking to you about that was recorded during the Harry Nielsen Pussycat session? Yes. The, the little A Toot and a Snort in 74 EP? Yes. Bobby was on that. So technically, he was on a solo effort. He played with George. He played with Ringo. He played with John, and he did some great work with John. Uh, the, the trademark solo on whatever gets you through the night. What an accomplishment that very few people can say that they've done. And uh, just an amazing guy, the way he he just was so relaxed and talking. And we got to talking about Buddy Holly and how he met Buddy and what the true story was there. However, Buddy Holly was the first guy I ever heard play electric guitar. And uh, and I hounded, I used to hang out at my aunt's house with my grandmother on weekends, and Buddy's parents lived across the street, and he was out in his garage playing guitar. I never played with Buddy. I played on one session that was never released. It was recorded at a radio station in Lubbock. But I never recorded with Buddy. I wished I had a King Curtis recorded with Buddy. So you cool. can imagine how amazed I am. There I am, the night jock in MGK. Bobby's coming to town. I get a chance to talk to him on the phone and involve it in the Jones for the Stone. So I start asking him questions I didn't really have because he started talking about stuff about influences and stuff like that. That would be King Curtis. He's also from Texas. 
And he also told me what kind of mouthpiece he used, what kind of reed he used. <laughs> and he was a great guy. He's just so relaxed and easy to talk to, and stuff just starts coming out. And he wouldn't say what he couldn't say about what the Stones were up to for real at that time. But I did ask him about, you know, one of his favorite things with the Stones. Going on 40, let's see, well, since 1970. Yeah, about yep. 40 years. So it'd be hard to just nail down one or two. I mean, the very first tour I went on with the Stones, I'll never forget that. You know, first time stepping out on stage with a band that was that popular. And in the studio, man, there's memorable moments. There's a lot of the ways that the music was recorded back then was pretty, you know, just kid, just turn the tape machine on and get out in the studio and let it rock. Just a little taste of my interview with the man, Bobby Keys, one half of this week's birthday twins, Keith Richards and Bobby Keys. Forever joined in rock and roll, right? On the imbalanced history of rock and roll. Hey, Ray, why don't we pause for the cause, head on up to the bar and grab a nice fresh uh, pint of Crooked Eye. You know, Marcus, with life on hold, our friends at Crooked Eye Brewery want everyone to stay safe so that we can all get through this. And I know you're uh, washing your hands a lot, right? I am definitely keeping as clean as I can be, washing my hands, using safe distancing, Ray, you know, they also want you to know over at Crooked Eye that you can bring your growler to the brewery on Montgomery Avenue in Hatboro for a refill. Yes, as long as this thing goes on and they have beer, you can do that. Yeah, the boys have been busy, right? They have been very, very busy. Hey, Marcus, I learned something about our buddies at Crooked Eye during the last week or so. What's that? We always thank Paul and Paul and the gang there at the brewery, but I found out that a lot of people call Paul Moharan Pete. What? So do we thank Paul and Pete and Jeff for their continued support and keeping things going there at the brewery? I think we do, and we want you to keep up on the latest developments at Crooked Eye on their social media sites as well as at CrookedEyeBrewery.com. And while there's no live music in the brewery right now, go to Crooked Eye Brewery Online Open Mic on Facebook for nightly live performances in the Crooked Eye spirit. Crooked Eye Brewery, the cure for what ails you since 2014. Hey, Ray. What's that, buddy? I don't know about you, but things here have gotten a little uh, routine, and I'm looking to break out of that routine. Do you have any suggestions? Well, to spark a little fire in the darkest household, I suggest you head over to adamandeve.com. You know the deal, right? Absolutely know the deal. Been there already. Might have to take another trip. Don't tell me what you buy, please. Especially if it's a French maid's outfit. You know I like to wear those. Whatever you like, you can find what you need at Adam and Eve.com. And we're setting it up so you can save 50% off on your first item. All you have to do is enter our special code R-N-R-H-I-S-T. Just spell it out. R-N-R-H-I-S-T. And that saves you 50% off an item. Plus, there's more. A gift for you. Free. A gift for her. Free. A gift for the both of yous. Free. And then six spicy movies all free and free shipping what the hell that is a lot of free stuff and get things cooking tonight marcus at adamandeve.com time to play
Some people are calling us the Imbalance Brothers, Marcus, and I guess that fits what we do here on the podcast. <laughs> we definitely fit the Imbalanced Brothers uh, moniker. <laughs> I like it. And <laughs> since we're uh, doing that, we've uh, we've kind of cooked up this birthday twins thing, and our first one is Keith Richards and Bobby Cuse, who played with the Stones and a million other people. Well, not a million, I exaggerate, but on December 18th, 1943, they were both born uh, Keith in England and uh Bobby down in Texas. And we thought it'd be fun to do a quick uh, five favorite Rolling Stone songs with Bobby Keys uh, on them. I did a thorough search of all my favorites and things that I knew and didn't know. And I uh, thought it'd be fun to do that. What do you think? I'm totally down. I've got my five ready to go as well as far as his fi- my five favorite uh, Bobby Keys Rolling Stone songs. Why don't you give yours and then I'll do mine. All righty. Number five, Emotional Rescue. Just love the song. It's one of my. What's early, not to like? I mean, it's one of my earliest encounters with the Rolling Stones as somebody who was aware of music. My number four, Brown Sugar. Love that song. I know it's a classic, but it didn't hit me the same way some of the other songs, like my number three, which is Bitch. I absolutely love that song, and his work on there is beautiful. Number two, Tumbling Dice. And number one, do 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 heartbreaker. It's probably my all-time favorite Rolling Stone song. Great stuff, man. And we got a couple of the in the same ballpark. I had emotional rescue as my number five. I put bitch at number four. Rip this joint was my number three. Can't you hear me knocking that uh, solo we were talking about in the first half of the podcast at number two? And Live With Me from Let It Bleed, maybe my my favorite Rolling Stone song ever, all time, period. At my number one, Bobby Key's sax songs. On the imbalance history of rock and roll, and there's two guys involved here. We've been talking a lot about Bobby. But, you know, uh, if it weren't for Keith, uh, you got to think that... Bobby might not have had the half the career he had because Keith and their friendship and his role in the stones became integral. But when he was free to do other stuff, uh, it allowed Bobby to develop his, his role as a sideman and a rock and roll legend. Well, you know, there's Keith. He starts out the same day that Bobby does, but he's born over there in uh, Dartford, Kent, where he would later meet uh, that young uh, Michael Philip Jagger and uh, start a chapter of rock and roll history that we talk about from time to time, but never can mention enough. I'm talking about the fantastic Rolling Stones. His folks were typical post-war folks. You know, they were... They, they went through it all, and they brought some kids into the world, and their kids were part of the first wave of Brits trying to rebuild their country and, and have a good life. Uh, he had he had great-grandparents. Uh, I don't mean like, you know, great-grandparents. He had really great-grandparents, including his mom's dad, old Gus Dupree, who was a touring jazz player uh, with Gus Dupree and his boys, and he got Keith interested in guitar. And actually, I have the book here, and, and I'll post a picture on the Facebook page and on Twitter of uh, the book that uh, Keith wrote with his daughter Theodora uh, about Gus and learning the Malaguena and uh, and making, you know, his way towards music. When you can reach it, (laughs) I'll let you play it, you know. Once he did give me the guitar, he said the best exercise is the Spanish one with the Malaguena because it's got a lot of moves in it that make it great for the fingers. So 
that was his early life. And then he Mick, Mick Jagger. Mick had a bunch of blues records under his arm on a platform there at Dartford, Kent. Those two went down the road a long way since then, wouldn't you say? I would have to say so. They had known each other in their earlier years, and then Keith Richards had moved, and then they reconnected that day on the platform when Mick spilled his vinyl. You know, you learn about people when you see their vinyl. We've talked about it before. And in fact, we, I think we've talked about it with this incident before. We have. It's funny because across the pond somewhere, there's a guy the same age as Keith, the exact same age as Keith, growing up, right, in America. And there he meets his glimmer twin, not his birthday twin in Bobby Keys, but his glimmer twin in Mick Jagger uh, there in Dartford, Kent. And the journey towards 1964 and meeting up with Bobby Keys, who would not only did he add uh, become an integral part of the unit and part of the ongoing working unit, he added something to their sound that they hadn't had as their own, their own trademark sound uh, until uh, they got Bobby into the band. And, you know, uh, Keith, uh, he got Bobby involved in the expensive winos. Uh, he, Bob, he got Bobby involved in the, in the Hail, Hail Rock and Roll Chuck Berry documentary. These kind of things that, that his friendship with him brought to him. And, and Keith didn't even think about it. This, Bobby was his guy. Imagine when these two guys figured out that they were born on the same fucking day. Imagine what that conversation must have been like. Oh, my God. I can't even imagine. I wonder if they figured it out during that first encounter in Texas. And then that was really sort of the connecting point that or the glue that kept that connection together. And that's what you do when you've got a mate who can really deliver the goods. And that's what Bobby Keys could do. Uh, we mentioned he grew up in Texas. Uh, he was born at the Lubbock Army Airfield. I guess that's where his pop, uh, Bill Keys, was stationed. So the, he spent a lot of time around Texas, which led to that interaction that we talked about earlier with Buddy Holly. Lubbock. And uh, starting to get his reputation. And he also points to King Curtis as one of his big influences as well. So oh, That's just so hard to wrap my head around that he played with Buddy holly and to see some of these musicians or hear some of these musicians that got to play with buddy holly is just whoa because it's well like he said he never he played with buddy at a thing at a radio station but he never recorded with them and uh, that's i guess part of the myth and he was quick to dispel it he was good to make sure that everything was you know history as it was you know he's been on a lot of records and there was a horn section on uh, the sessions that ended up being Don't Ask Me No Questions and Call Me The Breeze from Leonard Skinner. You may have heard that horn break on Call Me The Breeze. Oh, yeah. Hearing the uh, saxophone in the Southern Rock sound really made me want to uh, try playing the sax as a kid. And I played really? it for, yeah, three or four months in elementary school. But baseball ended up taking over more priority at that time because I was already playing piano. So I didn't do sax. And I ended up staying with baseball, but 
I played sax for a few months, and hearing it in some of those rock and roll sounds, not only in some of the soul music that you heard, but in some of the rock sure, and roll sure, sounds, yeah. really had an impact on me. And the sound that that guy makes, you can hear his style on the Rolling Stones, especially, you know, there. And then hearing it on the Leonard Skinner records, it's him but he adapted to their sound, but you still feel Bobby Keys. A great player can play the charts, but they can play off the charts too. And an example of being in the pocket and on the charts was his uh, sax lines on Carly Simon's Mockingbird, right? forget that those were his uh, lines and then when we were doing this I was like oh yeah that's right those are his and then he played with people like Barbara Streisand yeah so and that's Leo way Sayer. different Leo Sayer yeah we know the Leo Sayer stuff you know that song when I need you yes And maybe outside of the Stones, the most recognizable sax line is him screaming like a knife cutting through the night air in New York City on whatever gets you through the night for Elton John and John uh, Lennon, uh, their number one hit. That's him and that screaming sax lead. So delicious. Oh, that is such a delicious sax lead. But then again, he also played with some of his uh, blues progenitors like B.B. Uh, King. Yes. He also got to play with people like Joe Cocker, which, God, could you imagine playing to Joe Cocker's voice? Holy cow. He said the Mad Dogs and Englishmen thing was one of his favorite things he did in his career because it was a whole lot of fun. You know, we keep finding connections in our ongoing conversation here, Marcus, and this one includes a connection to Warren Zevon's first record. He's the sax player on Poor, Poor, Pitiful Me and Muhammad's Radio uh, on that first Zevon record. So, you know, it keeps coming around to Zevon. But that's just the tip of the iceberg, the stuff that we're talking about so far. You know, he, like we talked about it, he was on All Things Must Pass. He did two records with Ringo. He did all kinds of things that you might not necessarily think of, uh, of him being involved in, like working with Dr. John and, and Eric Clapton, right? Uh, he was on a Faces record. We mentioned the sessions with Nielsen that ended ended up being a toot and a snore work with joe ely and john hyatt keith moon solo stuff oh totally cheryl crow yoko ono i can only imagine what working with yoko ono would be like but then again you hear him on the uh, let's get it on album marvin Gaye. 
and he loved the work he did with Delaney and Bonnie and friends too. So it's such a wide variety, and that's the kind of player that he was. Like you said earlier, he could bring his trademark sound to the party and then make it work to what your music is, which is what a great player does. Like he did soul, he did blues, he did everything, and he could do everything. Everything was in his realm of possibilities, and he was just one of those players, one of those guys, I guess, who was so wild and insane, but so uber creative and so talented, and I can only imagine his ear. His ear is special. He has special ears to be able to play like that. Well... Keith may still be around, but we lost Bobby. He was a rock and roll treasure. You know, it's where his standing is in the pantheon of sidemen, and we'll use the masculine there, but you know what I mean. To lose him for, you know, for Keith had to be like Lurs and a twin. You know, they, they were joined at the hips in the same way about a lot of things, the way music and culture and life experiences by people who are born in the same period of time often lead to a, a commonality it's hard to describe sometimes, and I believe that that's what those fellas had, a special commonality, let's just call it that. <laughs> they definitely, Keith and uh, Bobby definitely had some sort of connection. And while we were uh, talking about this, I can only imagine during that time that uh, Bobby was not allowed back in the band, Keith, can we bring Bobby back into the band, Mick? No. And like an overchat, like, and I bet every tour, can we bring Bobby back into the band? No, Mick, no. no just, and no. that was as far as it ever went. I like Dr. Evil, zip it, zip, <laughs> zip, zip. <laughs> oh. I bet that's what it was like. But yeah, those two seem to be very connected at the hip or they have that special connection kind of in a different way than Mick and Keith have. There is a connection between Keith and Bobby, and we'll find out some more of these birthday twins who are connected as well. I got a question about these two, though. Okay. I think it's pretty clear that, to some degree, uh, Keith had a civilizing effect on Bobby, even though they were both wild. Uh, he had a kind of a civilizing effect on him. Do you think that uh, Bobby had a wilding effect on Keith, like kind of got him going more? I mean, not that Keith Richards need any encouragement, but you know what I'm saying? Did he inject a little redneck into Keith or bring out his inner redneck a little bit for the for the fun, crazy stuff? Oh, I guarantee he brought out the wild boy in Keith, the, the wild farm boy or the wild cowboy in Keith. Yeehaw! He definitely brought out the wild cowboy. I mean, TV's they get out country the tong, Country Tong. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I would well, have to say that they probably, in both the calming and in the wilding way, were peas of a pod. That's a good way to put it, buddy. Well, I'm glad we picked this pairing for our first venture into birthday twins because uh, I think it's really uh, was a whole lot of fun first and foremost a lot of great music and all that but it kind of sets the bar pretty goddamn high after this for any other pairing that comes along you know other than actual twins uh we're talking about people who weren't blood relatives but are birthday twins here on the imbalanced history of rock and roll hey you want to be in touch with us we got a lot of ways you can reach out try us on facebook it's the imbalanced history of rock and roll you can also hit us on twitter at imbalanced histo minus the ry and then of course email imbalanced history at gmail.com we have our website imbalanced history.com and of course uh we're a part of the pantheon podcast network so please feel free to get in touch with us there as well 
You know, Marcus, we don't spend that much time worrying about like the the numbers, quote unquote, right? You know, we we keep an eye on things and all that. But I'm I'm really curious because somebody out there knows the answer because they're they're the ones who are listening. All of a sudden, in Phnom Penh, Cambodia. We have like this huge bubble of listening going on over there. And I don't mean like a couple dozen listens. It's like big, big listening. So if you're the person who or persons, any of them listening in Nam Pen, please let us know by emailing us at, uh, at imbalancehistory at gmail.com. Because I was just like, what's that? Like, what? You Definitely. Know? No. Or hit us with a private message on Twitter or yeah, on that's our Facebook page as well. One of those ways you that's can contact good. us directly through our website. But we definitely love to say hi. So feel free to reach out anytime. You can give us a rating of love if you so like at one of the places like Podchaser. One love of those is sites. in the air. Podkite. All those sites do ratings. So please feel free to give us a rating. A lot of fun, man. I'm glad we did this episode. And you know what? I think the next one's going to be a lot of fun, too, because we're kind of whittling it down to what our next episode on birthday twins will be always fun it's almost like episode roulette here uh on the podcast hey but we're bouncing from tree branch to tree branch and eventually we'll get to them all we are putting together some really ambitious plans for uh, what we do here for the middle of the year through into uh, late 2020. I know we don't talk about it much, but I know people are listening in the middle of this thing. We love that you listen. We want you to be safe because not just for yourself, but for the people around you in your life with uh, the COVID-19 all around us. And it's going to take us a while to get through this. And we thank you for spending a little bit of that time that you're trying to figure out what to do with uh, listening to our podcast. We see you and we appreciate you. And don't forget to uh, give them your most appreciation to the people on the front line in the healthcare and the food services industry trying to make sure that we're all okay till we can get through all this stuff. In fact, you may not have known because or maybe you figured it out, but over the last couple of weeks, Marcus and I have actually... Uh, even though we both are okay and we're we're just hanging in our own l- isolation, we've been working together remotely here to uh, make the podcast. So we're doing our best to stay safe, and we encourage you to do the same. Keep your social distance and party on, dudes, because we don't know what's going to come next. But we do know it will be a different branch in the history. We oh, do rock know it. And roll. Hold on. That's we true. do know. Yeah, we do know it will be another branch, a different branch in the imbalanced history of rock and roll. So we thank you for sharing your time with us during this time. And remember, we'll get through this together. We will. Well, I don't know what comes next on this podcast, but we're starting to rack up some episodes, pal. I'm ready to go have a cold one. What do you say? I think it's time to get back up to the bar at Crooked Eye for a nice cold one in the heart of Hatborough. I'm Ray Coop. I'm Marcus in the Darkest. And that's it for this episode. We'll catch you soon right here on the Imbalance History of Rock and Roll. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. 
FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.